0: Psalm 6, as we're going through the Psalms, and uh, tonight's uh, Psalm I've entitled, A Dark Night, A Dark Night. Let's look at Psalm 6 tonight, as we read these 10 verses, you follow along, and hopefully you grabbed an outline to to, uh, follow along and jot some notes down tonight. The Bible says in verse 1, O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me, In thy hot displeasure, have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver my soul. O save me for thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave who shall give thee thanks? I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all mine enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them return and be ashamed suddenly. You look at this psalm, and again, I'm reminded as I was studying about this, uh, this passage tonight, this is a book in our Bible called Psalms. And I want to remind you that psalm means songs. Uh, oftentimes, these were uh, maybe not always something that they would sing, sometimes recite But if you're like me, what I'm finding out as I'm going through these psalms is how personal these psalms really are. Now, In this psalm tonight, there's not a lot like some psalms. It seems like uh, the personal pronouns are just all over the place. Me, mine, I. And you still see that even though you don't see all of those types of personal pronouns in these 10 verses tonight. But what's interesting, other than those, if you remember, the last three psalms we looked at, Psalm 3, Psalm 4, and Psalm 5, were actually psalms that David wrote. One was in the evening, one was in the morning, one was the next morning, that those were all in a time period when David was running for his life from his son Absalom. This psalm tonight is also a psalm dealing with the life of David. You see there in the heading of it. It's a Psalm of David, but this is the first of seven psalms in this entire book that are called penitential psalms. Uh, if you want to jot down these numbers, you can go and look them up yourself, but I'll give you these. Of course, the first one tonight is Psalm 6. The next penitential psalm is Psalm 32. The third one is Psalm 38. The next one is Psalm 51. The next one is Psalm 102. The next one is Psalm 130. And the last of them, the seventh penitential psalm is Psalm 143. Now, penitential psalms, as you see there in your notes, are psalms that the writer is confessing repentance and sorrow for sin. In other words, penitential penance is what these deal with. Uh, The first seven verses of the psalm tonight, Psalm 6, that we're studying is really those seven verses are a cry of anguish. Uh, You'll see in just a minute why, but the one thing you notice is the way it's worded here, and we understand all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, but there is no confession here. There's just a really kind of a, if I had to put it into words, kind of a hopeless wail of anguish, a pouring out of the soul in the darkness. Uh, this is a soul that's, that's kind of on fire because his conscience has been awakened and what he's doing is he's crying out to God for release uh, from what he's found himself in. His distress is so great that the way he describes it is David is crying all night long. And we'll see the words here how he mentions that. But he's suffering. And here's the key why is he suffering? Well, there's a couple reasons, but the biggest reason is he's suffering because of. Uh, how he has been visited by divine visitation. In other words, God is dealing with him. Now remember, if we're a child of God, the Bible says that God deals with us as sons. Uh, The Bible uses the word chastens. And by the way, it's a good indicator that you are a child of God when there is something in our lives. Look, I don't do something so that God can chase me, but I'll tell you this, it's always a clear indicator that I am a child of God when I do something wrong, God deals with me, because here's the thing is, God's never going to let His children sin successfully. You know, I, I sometimes when I'm out in public and I see parents who don't deal with their children, I realize it's a different day. It, my kids, whenever they were doing something publicly, I didn't think twice about it. I just dealt with it right there. Now you'll get locked up if you deal with your kid publicly. You almost have to go into the bathroom or go out to the car or whatever it is. But but here's the thing is that's why some children are the way they are today is because parents don't deal with them when there's something that needs to be dealt with. And can I tell you that God is going to deal with us, and it's evident in our lives that when we have something in our life that's wrong, that's sin God is going to deal with us this is a classic example what it goes back to is David's sin with Bathsheba and we all know the story well so I won't go back but I'll tell you it was a horrible thing and here's why because she was the wife of Uriah the Hittite she was a married woman and this man Uriah her husband was one of the men that actually marched with David in his days when he was a fugitive. I mean, this was a loyal man to David, and yet David forgot about that. He he overlooked that. He seduced this man's wife, and then on top of that, he arranged for the murder of this man who did not do one thing wrong. All of this just to fulfill his lust. And on top of that, David then tries to cover up the consequences of his sin, and David, in haste, marries this woman because she's found with child. Now, the interesting thing is, is that the way the Psalm is worded tonight, as we look at it, that God, before David repented, God severely dealt with David. In other words, he was punishing David for what he had done. Now, I, I again, I'm not going to be definitive, I'm not going to be dogmatic about this, but from some of what we see in the Word of God, a lot of folks, from what I found, they believe, and I don't have a way to substantiate this, but many believe that the punishment that God gave to David seemed to be some form of illness. Now, I can't prove that. I don't know that to be true or not. It could have been something that was just ailing him. I mean, I read where a couple folks even indicated that they felt like that David, for a while, had some type or some form of even leprosy. Again, I don't have anything to substantiate that, but I do know that as we look tonight, you'll see that there was something physically that was, that was bothering David. You'll see that as we study this psalm tonight. But it seems that from David's writing. That as David writes this, that like most of us, because this was something that, that happened to him, that you know, sin brings a shame on us many times. And we don't, because of pride and other things, we don't want to share that with other people. So just like any of us, what David was trying to do was, with the, to the best of his ability, he was trying to conceal what was going on in his life, really what was going on in his heart. He was trying to keep that from everyone. Now, as you think about that, David tried to do that at first. He began in anguish, but eventually those around him began to see some of the effects because this was weighing on him. This was David. They knew him very well. His servants and his advisors and those that were around him, they started to see some changes in his life. David became irritable, and there was some type of pain in his life, and what he was doing was he was pushing people away from him because he did not want to talk about it. He didn't deal with it. He was, in some ways, ashamed of it, and so notice, first of all, tonight, I'm describing the fact that David had a sad condition. For years, David in the Bible was known, and God even immortalized the fact that David was one of the most noblest and sweetest saints of God in the Bible. You find not only in the Old Testament, when you go over to the New Testament book of Acts, look what it says in Acts 13, 22. And when he had removed him, he raised up, talking about Saul, he raised up unto, uh, unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, here's what God said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. This is a man that that, that God stood behind, that the Bible says there that he gave testimony about. But when you reach this time period we're looking at in Psalm 6, David was a, a man that, yes, at one time in his life was a man after God's own heart, but here David had fallen. And what he was doing was he was pretending... That everything was okay, that nothing was wrong. But I know this in my own life that a spiritual man or a spiritual woman knows when they're out of touch with God. They know it. In their heart, the way their life's going, they know that they are not in tune with God and God's will. The Bible says in Isaiah 59 your sins have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. I mean, it's it's like in our lives sometimes where where we pray, but it seems like our prayers, like they just fall. It it seems like our prayers just bounce off of something, and they don't get to God. It, It seems like in our lives when Maybe we have some type of unconfessed sin in our lives. You know, I've said this many times, and I know you know this, that an idol is something that comes between us and God, right? So think about this. If Isaiah described it this way, your iniquities, look at the words again, have separated between you and your God. What is an idol? It's a sin. Whatever it is. For David, his problem was he saw her and he had to have her. Was that not the same case in the garden with Adam and Eve and what was on the tree in the midst of the garden? I mean, all of us in our flesh, we we like David have found ourselves in a sad condition. And I want you to see that he writes here and first of all, he spoke about his excuse. In verse number two, look at the wording there in verse number two. Here's what he says Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am what? I'm weak. He says, God, have, that's his excuse. I'm weak, God. Psalm 41:4. I said, Lord, be merciful unto me, heal my soul. For I have sinned against thee. Remember what Joseph said when he was being tempted day in and day out? He says, how can I do this thing and sin against God? All sin is ultimately against God. Folks, listen. I hope you're not planning on when you get to heaven someday to try to give a bunch of excuses to God for why you didn't do whatever it is. Because none of our excuses are going to hold any weight in heaven when we stand before the Lord one day. And the same is true in our lives now. God knows our hearts. And we need to make sure that we're not making excuses. David talks about this matter of his excuse. And in verse number one, he shares about his plight. That it was a David found himself with a spiritual dilemma Look what the Bible says. He says, O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Sounds to me like David knew God. Sounds to me like David knew what God was going to do and what God was capable of doing to those that were not doing what's right in the sight of the Lord. In other words, David knew what he deserved was punishment from God. And it was, look, it's up to God to mete out that punishment. God is the one who is just and the justifier. But what David is doing here is that, listen, that God would not punish him. He's pleading now that God would not punish him in anger and in hot displeasure. Somebody, I don't remember who it was, but it was good advice. And actually it was biblical advice, but they told me when I was a young father, never discipline your children when you're mad. Worst thing you could do, because you're going to hurt them instead of correct them. And the Bible says, look at, look at what it says here in Jeremiah 10, 24. O Lord, correct me, but with judgment, not in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. Even Jeremiah writes about the fact That, look, David was praying the same thing. They say this is a good policy. That if you find yourself very angry about something that maybe your child did, that instead of dealing with it, maybe either let your child go to the room for a while while you cool off, or maybe wait until the next day. Because guess what? The crime is still the crime. But maybe you'll have had an opportunity to cool off. If you can't do that, go jump in the freezer and, and really cool yourself off, you know? But, but look, we have to make sure, and that's what David is saying. He's saying, God, listen, I know I deserve it, but please... Don't don't deal with me in your anger and your hot displeasure. You with me tonight? You understand what he's writing here? And by the way, he understood it was not only a spiritual dilemma, but secondly, it was a physical dilemma. Because in verse number two, notice what he writes here. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, notice the words, heal me, for my bones are vexed. Now, again, I, I have no way to substantiate exactly what that means. There are a few other places in the Scripture that seem to indicate that David was shaken to his core in his being. There was some type of a, a, an illness, and he's, he's really asking God, heal me. I mean, you know, we, we know that as you study the Word of God, many times they believe, especially in the Old Testament, it, it spilled over to the New Testament, that they felt that if there was some sort of sickness or illness or something, that it was it was because of some sin. He was born this way. Who did sin, his parents or him? But I, can I tell you that not all sickness is as a result of sin, but David knew that whatever he had in his life was directly connected to the sin in his life. David knew that. He knew from... From, from his pouring his heart out to God that he had some sort of dilemma. The Bible says in Psalm 38, and by the way, that's another one of these penitential psalms. Look at verse number 3. He says, there is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones because of my what? Amen. Because of my sin. See, look, folks, we're really, we're really good about this. Blame shifting. We, we're real easy to shift the blame to our spouse, to someone else. And by the way, we're really good at this one, blaming it on the devil. The devil gets way too much credit. Way too much credit. You ever remember, any of you remember the old show with Flip Wilson? And he always said, the devil made me do it. You know, you can't always say that. The flesh is weak. Many times, we are the problem. We allow sin in our lives. We open the door. And David says, look, I understand that, that this is something that, that I need. God's going to deal with me about it. But he says, I have no rest in my bones because of my sin. And, and so what the great physician, what God is doing here, is he went right to the real cause of David's sickness, See, we want to paint it into, you know, we want to call it all this stuff today. They, they've got all these adjectives, and to call things everything that it is, folks, you need to strip away everything and just call it what God calls it. He calls it S-I-N. You know, nowadays they call it the alternate lifestyle. God calls it sin. You can call it whatever you want. But when we think about uh, you know, things in our lives, just like in David's life, what God is going to do when he deals with you and when he deals with me is God's going to strip away all that stuff, and God's going to get right to the heart of the problem. And the problem is there's sin in our lives. And so David, he understood when he began to say to God, God, I'm weak. He understood it was a spiritual thing. He understood there was some sort of physical thing here, but notice it also was a moral dilemma because he says in verse three, look at this, my soul is also, not just my bones, but my soul is also sore vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? Now he says it's not vexed, it's sore vexed. That phrase there, sore vexed, is an interesting phrase. It means troubled. My soul is troubled. Now, there's only one thing that can cause a soul of a person to be sore vexed or to be troubled. And I go right back to what I just said. It's sin. Sin causes us to be troubled. And David says, look, God, how long in my soul am I going to be vexed? How long am I going to be troubled about this? The Bible says in Psalm 90, verse 13, Return, O Lord, how long, and let it repent thee concerning thy servants. God, in other words, God, look, you ever, you ever go to the doctor and you're just like, they're like, we need to give you this shot, and you're just like, okay, let's get it over with. Right? <laughs> just give it to me. you know. And that's kind of what David's saying here. He's saying, Lord, how long is it? I understand what I did, but how long is this going to happen? How long do I have to go through this? And interesting here that as David is is praying this in in verse three, and says, "But thou, O Lord, how long?" When he gets there, if you look at the wording, and you study it out in the in the language, there's a term a terminology here where they claim that David just became silent after that. It's almost like he lost the ability to say anything it's kind of like when uh you find the account in in the garden of eden in genesis chapter number three where the bible says the lord god said behold the man has become as one of us to know good and evil and now lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live for how long forever now i know this sounds strange but again if you look at the structure of the writing and it's god's words you find the exact form of silence right there at the end of genesis 3 that you have right here at the end of psalm 6 and verse 3. in other words david thought to himself how long am i going to be this way and it's just like he, he he couldn't think of words to say. Now, I know this sounds strange, and I mean no disrespect. But remember, God created man. He formed him out of the dust of the ground. He breathed into him, into his nostrils, and he became a living soul. And God says, you can have anything you want except what's on that tree. And what did man do? He disobeyed. He sinned. And because of that, the Bible says, because... He ate of that. He says he's he's become as one of us to know good and evil, lest he put forth his hand to take of the tree of life and eat and live forever. In other words, God all of a sudden himself became silent because he began to think about that means that man is going to live on forever in his sin. That, That would break God's heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so this created a a moral dilemma in David's life. Here in Psalm 6, the horror of this whole situation about what he did, and he just wanted to get it over with, and it just sank down in his soul, and the words failed him. And David began to think about this. What if God chooses to never heal me? What if, what if I stay this way for the rest of my life, vexed in my bones, vexed in my soul? And so David, he's talking here about his plight and what he's going through. But then notice in verse 4, he makes a plea, and his plea is along the line of mercy. In verse number 4, he says, return, O Lord. It sounds to me like he's been away from God, right? You wouldn't ask him to return if he's there with you. He says, return, O Lord, deliver my soul. O save me for thy mercy's sake. Notice the word mercy there. Mercies, plural, it's the same word. It's synonymous with loving kindness. He says, God, God, extend your love towards me. By the way, God doesn't just extend kindness to us. He extends loving Kindness. There's a difference in the two. And God loves his children. The Bible says in Psalm 69 and verse number 16, Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. David was laying hold on the, the, this aspect of God's character that, Look, I know that God is just, but I also know that God is loving kindness that god loves me that god is merciful and so he was holding on to god's grace and god's mercy and god's kindness and and look david knew that that if god chose to that god could pardon him for his sin so he pleaded along the line of mercy and he also pleaded in verse 5 along the line of memory look at verse 5 he says for in death there's no remembrance of thee in the grave who shall give thee thanks? I mean, David here, he's talking about this matter of, of having a, a memory. Look, in the Old Testament times, let me ask you this. Let's just see if we're awake tonight. Was Jesus resurrected from the dead in the Old Testament? No. Because he came, he was born of a virgin, lived on this earth in the New Testament period that we're living in now. And so, would you, would you agree with the fact that in the Old Testament... They did not yet have the light of the resurrection and the hope that we have. Now, again, they could look forward to that from what the Scripture said, but they did not have the resurrection to look back to. We serve a risen Savior. He's already risen from the dead. See, they didn't have that. So when it came to death back in this time period that David is writing here, he mentions the grave. See, for the Hebrews... What the grave really meant was it was something that had no hope beyond this life. It was dark. It was cold. It was silent. Uh, That's what he mentions here in verse number five. Look at it again. He says, uh, in the grave, who shall give thee thanks? David's telling God that if, he's literally saying without disrespecting God, God, if you want me to thank you, if you want me to praise you, He says, then then you need to keep me alive. He says, because if I die, I can't praise you when I'm dead. I can praise you while I'm alive. By the way, that's a good indicator. We who are alive right now, we ought to be praising the Lord. Because in death, you're not going to be able to do that in the grave. And so understand here, David is saying, "I I I want you to heal me so that I can praise you. Psalm 30, verse 9. What prophet is there? in my blood when i go down to the pit shall the dust praise thee shall it declare thy truth the dead praise not the lord neither any that go down into silence so david david is saying look my excuse god is i'm weak now you have to understand that again that's only going to go so far with god but i want you to see secondly is david not only spoke of his excuse but he spoke of his exercise in verse number 6 look at it he says, I am what? Weary. weary. Now, remember earlier, he said, I'm weak. Now, he's talking about his exercise here. He says, I'm weary. It, David was worn out. I mean, have you ever been that way physically sometimes, spiritually, mentally, emotionally? You know, weary, worn out. David says, look, he says, all night. Look at, look at verse 6. He says, I'm weary with my groanings all the night. Make I my bed to swim, I water my couch with my tears. That phrase, "all the night, it can actually mean the very same thing every night. And that's not, that's not a loose translation. David say, he was literally saying, "Every night when I get to my bed." Now remember, I told you, David was doing the best he could during the day to put on a front. You know And I've, I've, I've talked to many Christians some of our church members sometimes walk in the door, I can see it in their eyes. I'll say, how you doing? Fine. Do you have a good day today? Yep. And I, I get those one word answers. But I can see it in their eyes. I know there's something going on in their life, in their heart. And remember david was doing, he was doing the best that he could. he was trying to manage his life in front of everyone. David would get up in the morning and he would i don't know take a shower or whatever they had back then he he would he would uh, get dressed he would try to eat something uh, he would try to tend to some of the business of the day i mean he would do everything he could uh, to try to deal with things but but again he he didn't want anyone to get close to him but There were some that were starting to notice some of the change in him. And a lot of times, because they didn't have uh, the idiot box and other things like that back then, social media and all that, they had different forms of entertainment. They'd get together. they'd, They'd sit around and talk or whatever. And so David, a lot of times, would do that. But the first chance he got, he would try to slip away. And he'd try to go into the quiet confines of his quarters. And as soon as he got there and closed the door behind him and fell on his bed, it says in verse number six, my groanings all the night make I my bed to swim. See, all day long he'd been keeping it in. Listen, folks, none of you, none of us can sustain ourselves 24-7. Eventually, that's why a lot of times I'll tell people, look, you need to learn to talk to someone. You can't keep it bottled up inside of you. By the way, that's why God's given us uh, Christian friends. That's why God gave you a church. That's why you have a pastor. Hopefully you have some spiritual people in your lives. Make sure you go to people that are going to help you, that are going to be that are strong Christians, that are, that are going to lift you up and they're going to try to help you in any way that they can. But David, he was all alone because he was playing the game. And listen, why was he playing this game? Because for a half an hour of pleasure he was dealing with this. The pleasure of sin for a season. The Bible talks about. James said, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth, there it is again, sin. And sin, when it's finished, it bringeth forth death. That's where David was. David was worn out. But notice in verse number 7 that David also was waxing old. The Bible says in verse 7, mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. See, as time went on, David's little charade wasn't holding up anymore. He really wasn't fooling anyone. Even his enemies were starting to take notice. There's something about David. Something's going on. Everyone was seeing through this front. And and here's the thing, just like I mentioned, he mentions in verse number 7, even his eyes we betraying him. His eyes were probably bloodshot from crying all night. His face might have been, instead of it being white, maybe it was flush. They say that the, the eyes are the window to the soul. People saw that in David. Back in that Psalm 38, look at verse 10. My heart panteth, my strength faileth me, as for the light of mine eyes, it is also gone from me. You know what I have come to discover, and by the way, I'm, it's, it's, it's so evident in people's lives, that sin will age a person. Sometimes I meet people and I start talking to them, and I'll think, you know, they're a Christian, but I'll think, I'll think to myself, they're a certain age, and then when I somehow find out their age, I'm like, My, my wife, when I met her, I, I met her siblings, and she's the second of five girls. My, my, my wife's oldest sister is one year older than her. My daughters are in here tonight, and they'll, they'll attest to this fact. But if you stood my wife next to her sister, her oldest sister, when I met her, they almost looked like twins. If you stood them side by side today, my wife's sister looks like she's 20, 25 years older than my wife. I'm not kidding you. I mean, most people would probably walk up and say, is this your mom? And it's because of the life that she's lived. You see, David was aging because of what was happening in his life. Proverbs 5.22 His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. Now, it's interesting because, remember I told you, the first seven verses of this psalm are like David in the dark pouring out his soul to God because of the sin in his life. But the last three verses there's, notice, a sudden confidence. All of a sudden, the emotional pendulum swings in the opposite direction, almost like someone flipped a coin and David went from tragedy to triumph. See, look at here that David's fears were stilled. In verses 8 and 9, he says, Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will re- receive my prayer. Doesn't sound like the same guy, does it? Sounds to me like David's confidence has been restored. That David, look, he didn't know at this time what was going to happen with his health, but but David knew this that that God was going to help him when it came to his enemies and that his enemies were not going to get the best of him. Look at Psalm 28, 6. He says, Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. Charles Spurgeon called tears liquid prayers. That's what he called it. Look, I don't think we ought to cry phony tears, but I can tell you this. God took notice of all those tears David shed all night, every night, on his bed, on his couch. David had this... Peace that came into his soul. He had an inner conviction that God had heard him, heard him. Psalm 118, I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. See, David's fears were stilled, but notice verse number 10, that his foes are stopped. In verse number 10, it says, let all mine enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Isn't that interesting? Remember what David said, that his bones were vexed? and that his soul was sore vexed. And now he says, hey, I want all my enemies to be sore vexed. Let them return and be ashamed suddenly. What is David saying here? He's saying, look, I understand. Listen to me. Don't miss this. David's saying, you know what's happened? As much as I didn't enjoy it, I have found that in God's vexation of me, and by the way, I deserved it. Uh, It was something that I did, that God dealt with me. But you know what it was in my life? It was a way for me to come back to God. And what David is saying to his enemies is, is that maybe if God deals with them the way God dealt with me, maybe they will come to God. And David's thinking to himself, hey listen, it was good medicine for me, maybe it'll be good medicine for them. Look at the Bible, says in Proverbs 20, 30, the blueness of a womb cleanseth away evil, so doth the stripes, the inward parts of the belly. So because of sin, listen, because of sin, David was weak and David was weary. That's what sin will do to us. But David found confidence in the Lord while he was in the dark. I want you to look at this verse. The Bible says in 2 Samuel twenty two twenty nine, For thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my what? Darkness. My darkness. If you ever find yourself in sin, away from God, here's a, here's a great illustration of what you and I need to do to say to God, I want you in my life. Return, O oh Lord. Come back to me. Because remember, God doesn't leave us. We walk away from God. But God will be our light even in our darkest nights. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this wonderful testimony. Lord, even though it deals with the sin in David's life, we understand that we're all sinners. But it's a great illustration and example to us, Lord, that we need to understand that you are a holy God, a just God. You are also a merciful God, gracious, loving kindness towards us. Lord, help us to realize that when we have sin in our lives. We have heard tonight what David did, what we need to do in our lives. Bless and use us in the days ahead. Lord, may we live for you, and may we not allow uh, sin to reign in our mortal bodies. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.